0: In a part of the country once lauded for its purity, a picturesque pilot, Pilot Mountain, that is, a
1: protective bubble about to burst. And I've worked, I worked quite a few homicides over my life, but this one ranks up there in the top one or two. 14-year-old Rhonda Blaylock had just started high school, but her first
0: year would be her last.
2: She was such a sweet and kind person.
0: Her mother, Rebecca Lynn, last seeing Rhonda on the morning of August 26th, 1980.
2: And I want them to know how it feels to not have your freedom.
0: Only to realize the harsh reality that all she and Rhonda's father had done to protect their only child wasn't enough when their little girl's body was found partially clothed just a short drive from the home they raised her in. Raped and brutally stabbed to death. But their pyramid of pain was merely being built at its foundation.
2: Because I've been in a prison, so to speak, for almost 35 years.
0: As summer changed to fall, then winter, the case was growing cold. A cycle of changing seasons which would continue for decades to come until investigators with catalogs of cracked crimes to their names would join as one. And everybody brought something different. Some brought experience. Some brought cold case experience. Um, others brought organization, um, interview tactics. The face of a man they say had been hiding in plain sight for 40 years, thrust into the spotlight, yet leaving people wondering who he is still mostly in the dark. I'm Fox 8's Michael Hennessy, and this is Murder in Pilot Mountain, a 40-year mystery. Pilot Mountain rises abruptly at a height of more than 2,000 feet. It begins as most mountains do, cloaked in shrubs and trees, hiding the trails which slink through its topography. But at its peak, a steep rock face, creating a stone dome shape like the ones you're used to seeing shrouded in gold on Capitol buildings. Visible from counties away, but sitting in a county called Surrey, used as a navigational landmark for centuries you may have already seen it without even knowing it under a different name in a sweetheart sitcom first airing in 1960. the andy griffith show based in a town called mayberry largely based off griffith's hometown mount airy north carolina it's a town in north carolina's piedmont slightly west of the center of the state and just a few miles from the virginia line there are references to a Mount Pilot, sprinkled in over the show's eight seasons. That's it, Pilot Mountain, less than a half hour's drive from the real-life Mayberry.
3: It wasn't a peaceful little, it wasn't Mayberry by any stretch of the imagination. There was, there was crime going on with it all.
0: More than 10 years after the final Andy Griffith episode premiered, the sense of safety the show exuded was still enjoyed by children growing up in the area, including 14-year-old Rhonda Michelle Blaylock and her cousin, Sherry Thigpen, who was two years younger.
4: They had a cabin in the, in the mountains, and we would go to the cabin and play in the creek, and um, I would get her hand-me-down clothes.
0: Rhonda had been born on November 9, 1965 the only child of Rebecca Lynn, better known as Lynn, and Charles Frederick Blaylock, better known as Freddie. A picture of Rhonda as a toddler showed her dressed in white, gripping a small, white-stuffed animal, her hair dark brown, shorter on top, and curled around the ears. Her eyes, large, looking upward, a wide smile on her still, chubby face. A Christmas picture shows Rhonda taller and slimmer, wearing a plaid outfit with a yellow design matching her mother's. Lynn had a similar haircut Freddie's hair short in gray dress pants and a white dress shirt. Another picture shows Rhonda, likely as a preteen, a blue dress with a design including red mushrooms, Rhonda's hair in pigtails, innocence, blue eyes. A childish, seemingly unsure smile as though she's still growing into it. And one of the later pictures of Rhonda showed her smiling with her mom. Her hair longer, split at the middle. Her skin tan, with tan lines around her shoulders as though she'd spent every summer day in the sun. A teenager, but her features still pure, guiltless, naive. They lived about 17 miles south of Pilot Mountain in a town called Rural Hall, and that name is an accurate one. The town described itself as a community with a proud past and bright future. It had only been incorporated as a municipality in 1974. Today, its motto is the garden spot of the world.
4: We would often spend the weekends at my grandparents' house and just play out in the woods, play blocks listen to music, um, swing on the porch, um, play Barbies.
0: There wasn't a whole lot to do. Children had to make their own fun. Sherry and Rhonda, as kids were allowed to walk to the swim club or basically anywhere they ever wanted. On August 26, 1980, that changed.
4: You know, I know that they had thoughts in their head, like, how much did she suffer?
0: Rhonda had just started her first year at Atkins High School. When the school day wrapped up, she was with friends near one of the town's only hangouts, a simple building, red brick, just a few dozen feet from the road. Today, its sign is red and reads, Rural Hall Bowling Lanes. The O in bowling a blue ball with a crown of three exploding pins. It was there. Head witnesses say Rhonda and a friend got into a blue pickup truck with what looked like a man a few years older than them. Rhonda's mother, Lynn, had no idea at the time.
2: I guess they they just thought it w- it was an innocent person. They never I guess they never dreamed that it would end like it did.
0: When Lynn got home, her only child wasn't there, and this was 1980. No cell phones. Rural, all 1980 meant some people didn't even have house phones.
3: So she starts calling around, doing the loop, calling this house, that house, and they're having to go, hey, has anybody seen Rhonda?
0: Some may have thought she was a runaway and would be home in a few hours.
3: But several hours went by, a good amount of time went by before they actually called the sheriff's office to report her missing.
0: Those several hours turned into a day, then two. In Pilot Mountain, there's a road called Seacrest Loop. It's paved today, and loops around, intersecting with State Highway 268 twice. Along Seacrest Loop is a gravel road, a dead end called Groundhog Trail, and it was near a heavily wooded area along this route three days after Rhonda went missing, as someone passing by got the shock of their life, a the disturbance with a ripple effect still resonating today.
1: It was a brutal scene. It's brutal to see things like that, whether it's your first one or your 400s.
0: Deputies pulled up to find Rhonda's half-clothed body. She'd been raped. She'd been stabbed. Rhonda Michelle Blaylock, 14-year-old Atkins High School freshman, loyal friend, caring cousin, only child, had met a gruesome, brutal fate. Sherry remembers when her parents told her she'd never see Rhonda again.
4: I just remember riding my bike up the road crying, you know, just couldn't believe it, shocked. (laughs) I didn't actually see the site until years later, probably when I had my license and I could drive up there myself because they would never take me there.
0: Rhonda's family suddenly thrust into having to plan her funeral. It was a proper one at Poplar Springs Church of Christ. The building is a large one, mostly red brick. A large white steeple toward the back, across towering over a parking lot, closer to the road.
4: Just um, a lot of crying and you know, just standing out by our grave. And
0: when you pull in, you're greeted by the graveyard. It's lined by the parking lot with spaces just a few feet from some of the headstones.
4: Just one act of evil. How how many ramifications that can have and how it shapes the future.
0: Her headstone, light gray, a cross and flowers etched into its face, Rhonda Michelle Blaylock, November 9th, 1965, August 26th, 1980. A simple stone, no description of Rhonda or her life. It would be her death that plagued
1: investigators for far too long. think a lot of folks knew the Blaylock family down there and everyone was looking for a suspect vehicle or a suspect and you know who could have done this to to this this very young uh, teenager.
0: It was a simpler time and for those tasked with solving Rhonda's murder a more challenging one.
3: I mean they put a lot of man hours into it back in 1980 but a lot of stuff you had to do in 1980 was by hand like if you were searching for a truck or a license tag It wasn't computerized. You had to go to DMV and get books of, okay, here's all the license plates for Surrey County that start with this prefix, and you just go through them, and one by one by one.
0: They went back to the last people to see Rhonda alive. The friend she was with, the blue truck at the bowling alley. The friend had been dropped off safely at or near her home, so they dug into the man behind the wheel. The truck, a dark blue 1970s, early 1980s model Chevy pickup, light blue interior, cloth bench seat, a white camper shell with bubble windows on the sides, a CB radio under the dash, the passenger side mirror missing, and the tires mismatched: snow tires on the back and white walls on the front.
1: Very emotional to see a young person's life taken uh, in such a way, or, or being just left to die, if that makes sense to you. Uh, It's just hard for me to comprehend sometimes, even as an investigator for all those years. The man was described as white,
0: possibly 20 to 25 years old, five foot nine to six feet tall, 165 pounds. Brown, straight or feathered hair, light facial hair wearing aviator style glasses with mirrored lenses and a baseball cap smoking Winston brand cigarettes. After all, Rural Hall was just north of Winston-Salem where R.J. Reynolds' tobacco introduced the 20-cigarette pack in 1913. It was known as a reliable, profitable, secure place to work. Freddie Blaylock retired from the company after 32 years of service. But back to the man in the truck. Deputies said he'd identified himself as Butch or Jimmy, and Jimmy wasn't far off, but we'll get to that later, about 40 years later for that matter.
3: In this particular investigation, it became cold uh, shortly after 1982.
0: The lush green of the trees on Pilot Mountain turned to a mix of yellows, oranges, and reds, quintessential fall foliage. Then, as a chill came into the air, those leaves died and fell to the forest floor, further exposing the stone cap of the mountain. Rhonda's birthday passed. Thanksgiving, Christmas, the trees stood naked, then budded, and new leaves were introduced to the world, a cycle that would repeat for months, then years, then decades.
3: In 2003, 2010, and 2013, uh, we received uh, some additional information and the investigation was opened.
0: Rhonda's parents shied away from their siblings as they watched their children grow.
4: Rhonda's mom and dad, Freddie and Lynn, they stopped attending um, Christmas and family celebrations. And, and I can remember being around you know, them and, and just kind of feeling guilty.
0: The fabrics of a family which once had a future so bright entering a dark tunnel with no light in sight.
4: So I just remember all that conversation about who it could have been, what they looked like, why, who knew what.
0: Lynn's hair turned gray. A picture from around Christmas time shows her standing in a white sweater, her right arm on Freddie's upper back as he sits in a black, white, and red checkered shirt. There are small stockings hanging by the fireplace behind them, neither of them showing teeth behind their slight smiles. In 2012, a picture of a youthful Freddie. His dark, wavy hair in a white suit and shirt with a black bow tie was put on display. His smile, his nose, eyes, all strikingly similar to Rhonda's. The picture had been put out next to flowers at Freddie's memorial. He died on February 18th of 2012, 69 years old. More than 30 years after he buried his daughter, the two had finally been reunited.
3: Her dad, uh, up for lack of a better term, probably grieved himself a bit.
0: More than three years after Freddie's death, in 2015, then Surrey County Sheriff Graham Atkinson called for a press conference.
1: If the suspect sees this or is in the sound of our voice, make no mistake, we are coming for you, coming for you, coming for you.
0: Flanked by sheriffs from other counties, investigators from other agencies, he announced the Rhonda Blaylock Task Force. It was there that he played... A plea from Lynn, in front of a camera sitting in her living room, a mother still wondering who tore her baby girl away from her shielding arms 35 years prior. She sat on what looked like a dark brown, comfortable couch, a multicolored zip-up and watch on her left wrist, her hair an even lighter shade of gray, her face clearly aged, her eyes hiding decades of pain behind their brown hue, her words painstakingly describing her life without her daughter.
2: I was never able to have experienced her graduating from high school, possibly college, uh, getting married, uh, having children. I never had any grandchildren. People ask me, how many grandchildren do you have? And I say, I don't have any grandchildren because I don't have any children.
0: It would prove to be the deciding factor. A team of driven, experienced, devoted detectives were now one on the hunt with a single target in their sights, Rhonda Blaylock's killer.
1: They always are looking over their shoulder thinking, did I really get away with this? Did I really? And sometimes, you know, they they act as if they have, but I think they do have, I think it stresses them, of course, throughout their life. Sometimes it takes their life
4: You know, her age played out. You know, she was sweet, and then when she got to be a teenager, she would tell me about boys and stuff like that.
0: Rhonda, like all teens, was going through changes, physically, mentally, emotionally. Her death made even more challenging for her parents to wrap their heads around because they'd wrapped their arms around her and sheltered her so tightly. Who Rhonda was, who she was becoming, what she was doing in the days leading up to her death. Next time on Episode 2 of Murder in Pilot Mountain, a 40-Year Mystery. If you like the podcast, please rate it, comment on it, subscribe to it, tell a friend. According to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, 800,000 children are reported missing each year in the United States, and there's a national hotline to help track them down at 1-800-843-5678. That's 1-800-THE-LOST. Murder in Pilot Mountain, a 40-year mystery, was written and reported on by me, Michael Hennessy, edited by Chris Weaver. Our executive producer is Kevin Daniels.